0: Ready for the sermon? Okay, where are we? We're still in the book of Acts. We're going to be here forever, it feels like, but it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. Lots of exciting things happen, so let's turn to page 1089 in the blue pew Bible, if you have that one. There's other ones upstairs, so don't get confused, Um, but it's Acts chapter 10. And we're continuing with this story. If you remember last week, we were seeing how God was able to uh, connect with two individuals. One of them, his name was Cornelius, and he was in one place. And Peter was in another place. They were 37 miles apart. But he, God was doing a work and he was connecting with one as they were reaching out to connect with him. Do you remember what both of them were doing when God spoke to them? praying that's right both of them are in prayer so key for us if we want to connect to god if we want to draw closer to god if we want god to use us in the lives of those around us we got to pray we got to spend time with god because god has a plan god has a strategy and he wants us to join him in it he's not going to do what we tell him to do we got to go to him and say what are you doing and how do i join you in it so these two men in two separate cities we're spending time in prayer. So the first one we read about was Cornelius, and Cornelius is a Roman uh, general. He's a centurion, but he, he's a Roman military guy who, who had a desire to draw closer to God, and he was coming closer to God through Judaism, through, through what he knew of Yahweh, of the Old Testament God. So because he was sort of in the Holy Land, he was in this area of the world, he had heard about the, the God of the Jews, the Old Testament God, and he had been drawn to God through that. So, nope, oh, that's my collar. Let me fix this. Um, oh, sorry, technical difficulties. I'll fix it. Okay, that should be better. Sorry about that. Um, so Cornelius was being drawn to God really through all that... The world knew at the time, which was that there was a God over Israel and that Israel was being used by God to be preparing the world to receive their Messiah. The Messiah was going to come and save us. So we're just talking about Jesus. He came and brought salvation to the whole world, not just to the Jews, but through the Jews. And so Cornelius had done some studying and had done some things uh, to, to learn about God as much as he could have up to that point in history. Remember, we're in, the, we're in the New Testament now. So then something had happened. Cornelius was aware of that. We're going to see this in the, in the dialogue in a minute. He was aware of what happened in Jerusalem. Because when Peter finally comes to his house and is explaining Jesus to the crowd there at his house, he says, well, you already know that God sent Jesus, and you know the things that happened in Jerusalem, and you know... So, so the story of Jesus was spreading, it was spreading through the disciples, but also, think about this for a moment Rome was part of the crucifixion of Jesus. You know, Pilate had to approve or wash his hands of the guilt of the, the crucifixion of Jesus. The, the Jews, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, had brought him before Pilate. Pilate was Roman governor right over that area and the roman soldiers we know they stood by the cross they're mentioned all throughout the crucifixion the passion week but they stood by the cross they also stood by the tomb to guard the tomb Um, and so the, the roman soldiers were also spreading this story it was also part of the story was taking place in this part of the world so we have to put ourselves in there so we can understand what god has for us here this morning so let's let's think about this up until now Um, we have only seen in Scripture that some people from outside of uh, Judaism, some people that were not of the 12 tribes of Israel, had joined in the religion of the Old Testament, right? Had joined in the temple sacrifices, joined in. They were called proselytites. Um, they, They were coming to become Jewish as much as they could so that they could be part of the Jewish religion. And it seems as though Cornelius was on this path, and God has sent Jesus to sort of rearrange things, rearrange the way that he was going to uh, relate to the whole world, right? And so these two men, they connected with God through prayer. God gave them direction. Remember, it was connect, direct, and even correct. Those are the things that God can do when we draw close to him. We connect with him. We, We have the... The joy of being known by God and knowing God in an intimate way, in a personal way. You don't have to know Him through me. You have to know Him yourself. So you have this personal relationship with God. You can connect with God. But when you do, you should be looking for direction in your life. We're actually called followers of Jesus. Jesus sets the direction and we follow. Like I said, we're not telling him where to go and what to do. We're, we're following him. He's like a good shepherd, and we want to follow him because that's where life is, right? So we connect with God. We're directed by God. And sometimes, in fact, many times, we're corrected by God. <laughs> we're, we're headed in the wrong direction, or we got our eyes on the wrong thing, or our heart is, is, is in the wrong place. And God's spirit, God's word, even God's people help to bring correction to us. So that we can be on the right page with God. How many of you want to be on the right page with God? It's not good to be on the wrong page with God. So you better raise your hand. So you don't want to be on the wrong page. You want to be on the right page, right? So we want to be part of God's plan. So we're kind of entering this story about these two men who have this divine appointment that God has set up. We'll reenter in chapter 10, verse 19. Let's start there. In verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about this vision that he had, he was still thinking about it. The spirit of God said to him, "Simon, now Simon's Simon is Peter and Peter is Simon. Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them." Again, great direction great direction, even correction if he's been sitting there too long. Get up and go downstairs. You know, you need to get involved in the plan of God. You need to do something. You don't just sit and think about it. We do have to do some thinking, God gave us powerful minds to do some thinking. But if you're going to be involved in God's plan, you also have to do some doing. You You have to do something with your life. So we're not called to just sort of be off in a, in a monastery or in a convent somewhere and just alone with God, just thinking about the greatness of God and reading it. We're, we're called into the world to be salt and light, to be to be used by God as the body of Christ to reach the world. So we have to do something with what we have heard, what we're thinking about in our relationship with God. And so we see that here where, where the Spirit is just like, get up, go downstairs, don't hesitate to go with these people I have sent them to you. So he gets clear direction. So Peter went down, verse 21, and he said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Remember we talked about this last week a little bit? Neither of these men knew the whole story. They were told to do something, but they don't know exactly what God is doing. The good place of trust to establish and to develop in our lives. God doesn't have to explain himself to you. When he gives you direction, he has a reason, and you trust him for the reason. And we can trust him because he is good. He's not trying to hurt us. He's not trying to mess up our lives. He's trying to bring, bring life, not just to us, but to the world, through us, through the, through the sharing of the gospel. So he's ready. He says, I know I'm the one you're looking for, why have you come? And so the men explained to him, we've come from Cornelius, he's the righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. In other words, he's a friend of the Jewish people, even though he's a Roman uh, soldier and a general, but a holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. So then Peter invited the guests inside. Now, he invited them inside. He wasn't being disobedient. But because it's a 37-mile trek to Cornelius' house. So they stayed overnight at Peter's place. He was staying there with, uh, with another guy. But he, at that house where Peter was. He stayed, they stayed overnight there. And then they went the next morning. Don't think Peter was disobedient because he was not. You can see in the very next verse, it says, Then the next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa actually went along with him. Some of the brothers are are other Christians from that community who wanted to follow and see what God was doing. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in in reverence. He just he just threw himself on the ground as 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 though like this holy man was there. Now this there's, there's probably a good reason for this because that the word which spread through people sharing the stories about what was happening here in the early church, it spreads quickly. Right? So if we go back in Acts a little bit, we know that Peter was instrumental in in healing the cripple man at the gate, right? Remember that? And then he was also just more recently in this closer area, he was also used by God to heal another man who was crippled, who had been paralyzed for eight years. But even greater than that, there was a woman, Tabitha, who had died, and Peter was also used by God to bring her back to life again. So this stuff spread. So this man... This Roman who was seeking after God was hearing these stories. Now that man, Peter, maybe even the story that Peter walked on the water. Remember, he's the guy that got out of the boat and walked on the water. I don't know if that story had gotten that far, but a lot of stories were going around about what Peter was involved with here with God. And so there was... A place for some reverence, right? Wrong kind of reverence as far as Peter was concerned as far as we should be concerned. Because he says, hey, <laughs> get up. He made him get up, it says in verse 26. Peter made him get up, stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Which, this is an important lesson. If God ever uses you, and he does use you, I will assure you of that, in some wonderful way and someone starts to give you reverence, you know? Maybe they can say thank you, whatever, but they really start laying it on thick. You're amazing. You're, you're the vessel of God. You're this, you're that. And they start building you up and putting you on a pedestal? Don't let them. Don't let them. That's why I don't let you guys do that. Thank you for your appreciation. Thank you for your kindness. But I am a man just like you. I, am, I, I got flaws. I got problems. I got stuff. I... It's God and God alone who gets the glory. And so this is helpful for you too in the area of like the broader ministry. If you see in the church, a lot of, a lot of people who get popular within the church, maybe they've written a book, maybe God has used them to heal some people, whatever. There, there starts to be this sort of hero worship thing going on around them. Like they are, you know, ooh, you know, amazing, holy. Da, da, da. Those men should read this and realize, you know, you can walk on water, you can raise people from the dead, but don't let people worship you. Only God deserves worship. Only God. So that should help you to discern, like I said, uh, w- w- where, where your worship belongs. Let's just put it that way. All right. So this happens here. In this passage, and Cornelius then, after, after, he, uh, after Peter makes him get up, he says, um, talking to him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Verse 28, he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit him. Right, So there had been these laws in place. This is what the vision was about earlier in the chapter. There were these laws that had put in, been put in place. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So he's already entered into the home of a Gentile. Big no-no, big taboo, right? But now God has changed that. I didn't say God changed I said God changed that that rule that, that guideline that he had set for the Jewish people this is an important for us to stop and think about for a moment because God is God he can do whatever he wants he can tell us to do whatever he wants he's God so we submit ourselves to God he has given us his word his instruction and we are to read it and discern and with the help of God walk it out live it out but there is a development of a plan for all mankind that God is in in the works, that, that, that's happening, right? So we have the Old Testament before the Messiah came. Then we have Jesus has come now. And Jesus has changed some things. Jesus was always in trouble with the Pharisees and the Sadducees because he was doing stuff like healing people on the Sabbath, You shouldn't be healing people. It's the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, we're not supposed to do anything. Really? Is that what God said? Or that's how you kind of twisted that thing to make it like that? Because Jesus, who is God, is going to heal people whenever he wants to heal people. So this is one of those situations where Peter had been raised as a good Jewish person within Judaism, had been trained, you do not associate closely with gentiles you have to deal with them but you don't go in their home you don't have them in your home you don't eat their food you know there's all these reasons you know these restrictions and now god through that vision that peter had god said don't don't call them unclean don't call them unclean because i'm calling them clean in jesus right so that's what's taking place so at this little example I i think there's a slide up there of like uh, the street, somebody somebody trying to cross the street. And I think this was a helpful illustration for me. Yeah, right there, right? So try to picture God like the parent, you know, of all of us, because he is, he's our father. He knows what's best for us, right? So if we're like little kids, and we're like on the curb, and we want to go across the street because like our ball bounced over there or whatever, and God says, no, nope, don't go, stop. And so we stop. Because God loves us He instructed us to stop Because if we didn't stop We'd get flattened we'd, we'd, get, we'd be in the hospital right? So he told us to stop Now when the traffic clears up And he looks both ways We look both ways There's no cars coming He may change what he said And say Okay, go So this, God is not contradicting himself Having set up The Jews, to be his special people, to be the vessel from which the Messiah would come, having set up all the rules and regulations of the Old Testament for them to be able to worship God and come into the presence of a holy God. There was all these purifications, these rituals, these things that had to take place during that period of time. That's like when the traffic was too too busy and God's saying, here's what you gotta do. Hold it, wait, live like this, for a while and with God you know a day is like a thousand years so (laughs) a while is a while but now God has said now that Christ has come and he has paid the price to cleanse not only the Jews but to cleanse all the sin of all the people who come to him by faith we can go so Peter you can go into that Gentile's house you can eat at their table. You can associate with them now. This is a huge change. In fact, interestingly enough, the world is kind of still set up this way. If you look at Orthodox Jews, they still have a, a pattern of living which restricts them from their relationship with the rest of the unorthodox people. That's you and me, most of us, right? So it's still in place because they haven't heard through Christ, through knowing Christ, that God has lifted the stop sign and said, it's okay to go now. Because of the blood of Jesus, it's okay to go. It is, it's okay. So, Peter, when he enters this space with these people, we'll go down to verse 34 in chapter 10. He begins to speak cuz Cornelius has just explained how Peter ended up being invited there. So Peter Peter now begins to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men and women from every nation who fear him and who do what is right. I now realize this. He didn't know it before. Peter still believed that in order to become a believer in Jesus, you had to first become a Jew. Now, how do you become a Jew? Well, I Googled it. And what Google said, here's how you convert to Judaism. The the conversion mechanism, they call it, right? Here's what you got to do. Number one, you've got to study Jewish beliefs, history, rituals, and practices. So in other words, you've got to know something about the Jews. Then you've got to learn some Hebrew. Good luck with that. I did that in seminary. Uh, Then you've got to agree to live a fully Jewish life. Then you need to get involved in the Jewish community life. Then you have to believe in God and the divinity of the Torah. The Torah is the beginning, the books of the law, the first five books of our Old Testament. You have to believe in God and the divinity. In other words, that, that the Torah, that God's word came from God, right? Then, you will love this part. You have to observe or obey all 613 laws or commandments that are mentioned in the first five books of the Bible. Right there, there's no way I could be a Jew, right? But you got to agree to do that. Then, if you are a man, you have to be circumcised, no matter your age or stage of life. We usually do that to infants, but they do it at whatever age you convert. Then, after that, you have to go through what they call a ritual bath, which is like a representation of your cleansing before God. A little bit like baptism, but not quite. And then, after you've done all these things, you have to go appear before a special religious court and obtain their final approval. It's a lot. But that's how you could go through the process and the mechanism to become a Jew. Prior to Peter being corrected by God about the law, Peter thought that that's how anyone who heard the gospel, had to become a Christian. First you had to become a Jew, then you could from that stepping stone become a Christian. And God has said, no. No. We don't need that anymore because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the power of the cross, he cleanses us from all impurities he cleanses us from all our sins he heals all our diseases he is the fulfillment of the law because he didn't throw out the law there's a whole teaching on that that jesus gave but he fulfilled it all he said here you take my righteousness and put it on yourself and you'll be clean before god and you can have relationship with your heavenly father without sin in the way without you in the way This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changed the world because of that. So, this is what's taking place. This is why this is a very important place to not just breeze through as we read it. Because for us, on this end of history, it's not as earth-shattering. But it was pretty earth-shattering stuff. And we know that even in the church, it was earth-shattering stuff. Because if you look at chapter 11 of Acts, the little subtitle that the the editors of the Bible put there is like, Jesus explains, I mean Jesus, Peter explains his actions. So because he did this, because he went to this house, and because he brought salvation through the message of the gospel to them, um, the other disciples who weren't part of his vision and who didn't go on this trip are like, dude, what are you doing You are messing everything up. Get over here and explain yourself, right? So that's what happens in chapter 11. That's skipping ahead. But I need you to understand, it was big stuff. For us, at this point in history, what we need to do is appreciate the power of Jesus, the power of his sacrifice to cleanse us, to take away our sin, and to make us fully into children of God. Even though we're not Jewish, even though we don't have that DNA, we still can be adopted as full children into the family of God. That's what we need to appreciate and not lose when we breeze through the Bible. This is a huge thing that God has done. He's made the blood of Jesus more powerful than anything that could ever separate us from God. That's why Paul, the Apostle Paul, later in Romans says, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You get that, right? Nothing can separate us. And he goes through his whole list. No angels, no demons, no power, no principal. And he just goes through it. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah good stuff that's a sermon enough what time is it? oh we got time for more let's go alright so let's, uh, let's start in verse, 30, verse 34 because I want you to sort of, the, the, the title of this message is called Peter's Jesus Message ooh sorry Jesus Peter's Peter's Jesus Message Peter Piper picked a pep yeah Peter's Jesus Message is what I want us to look at because this also is very important to remember, and sometimes we get confused, right? The message of the gospel is not about Peter. It's not about Tom. It's not about Joanne. It's not about Cindy. When we testify, when we're called to be witnesses, we're not talking about ourselves. We're talking about Jesus. He may be using us and maybe a little bit of our story, but we're talking about Jesus. He's the only one who can save us from our sins. Your story, your testimony, the things that you did in your life, whatever, that cannot save someone from their sins. Only Jesus. So Peter, even though he walked on water, he raised Tabitha from the dead, Peter gets it. It's only about Jesus. It's only about Jesus. So I, I, I want you to see that um, in this message. So, Ivan, I apologize. I'm not sticking with the, with the slides. If you could just go down to the slide on uh, what's in the message of Jesus. There should be a slide there that starts with what's in the message of Jesus. I'm skipping around because that's what happens. It's okay. We're safe. We're good. All right. So Jesus, you know, Jesus had told his disciples, and we are now, you know, recipients of that same message, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all the way to the ends of the the earth, right? you'll, You'll be this. You'll be able to be this. He doesn't say try. He says you will be. You will be my witnesses. This church is... Is, is also something we need to grapple with and maybe, like Peter, sit and think about. You will be my witnesses. You won't. You get, you get what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we're hoping that's somebody else's job, we're waiting for someone else to say it, we're praying. But Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. I'm going to make you into my... It's, it's like when he called the disciples. He said, come follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for men. Because they were fishermen. So they understood fishing. I'm going I'm to make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. You will be my witnesses. That's, if we believe that God is God and we are not, these are words we should pay attention to. Are we sharing the gospel of Jesus faithfully and being his witnesses? Because I think he's going to ask us about that. I don't think he's going to ask us about, you know, did you make good blueberry pie? Did you drive a fast car? Did you wear the latest fashions? Did you have lots of friends? He's not asking us about that. He's not concerned about those things. We are concerned. The world is concerned about that. But Jesus wants to know, were we witnesses? Did we tell others about Jesus? That's why I'm spending so much time in the book of Acts with you. Because I want us to get it. But not just me. God wants us to get it. He wants us to understand that what our role is in the world. We are to be his witnesses. And what we're witnessing of is not about ourselves, but it is the message of Jesus. It's the message of Jesus that Peter told. You see, we're at an advantage to these people here in this room with Peter. I need to lay this out for you too. They've heard some rumblings and some rumors about what Jesus had done and what was going on just around their little area of the world. But we have the four gospels recorded for us. And you probably have several editions of it, right? We have the story of Jesus. So we should even more have, like Peter, like Peter who walked with Jesus, we should be like that. We should be able to tell the story of Jesus because we have that advantage. Cornelius and the, and the friends in his room didn't have that advantage yet. You know, It wasn't written. We, we couldn't leave them with a, New Testament, a copy of the New Testament after this meeting with Peter. You know, so there was a difference in the culture of Christianity at the time. The apostles were so important because they were with Jesus. They were the ones that were in the boat with him and they were there, you know, they, they walked with him and talked with him. They, they had that very important role, but you too have a very important role. Peter's been in heaven a long time and so has Paul and so has Luke and John. and all. Yeah, So now we're the witnesses and we have the gospel and we have the spirit And the world still needs to hear the message of Jesus. If you agree with that, stay here. Stay in the church. We'll get there. God's changing us. He's moving us. He's helping us to develop an understanding of how he sees the world and our place in it. So, Jesus' message is the most important message. It It is like the super message that needs to be understood. So let's take a couple minutes, because we got a few, and look at the message. So, starting in verse 36, starting in verse 36, Peter says, after he says what he said about people from every nation being accepted, he says, You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel. I don't know if he's just talking to Cornelius and his family or. Cornelius had done a good job of telling the people around him who were now in that room with him because it says his family and friends gathered. So Cornelius must have spoken a lot about what he had learned about God through Israel, the people of Israel and then had added telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Not Lord of the Jews, but Lord of all, right? So, so right away, we see that there's this ministry understanding that has been taking place. Even though Peter had just proclaimed that God did not show favoritism, God had, for that time in history... All the years before, been preparing the world through that tiny nation of Israel for the Messiah. The Savior of the world would come through this tiny nation. I believe He did that because if it was a big nation, if it was like the United States of America, oh, here's our Messiah, like it, it wouldn't be. But if you're a tiny nation, n- name it like some tiny nations. Any of you know any tiny nations? Andorra is a nation. Where is it? Oh, okay. Tiny nation. I don't even, I've never even heard of it, I don't think. Right? So, so think of it like a tiny nation like Andorra. Is it real? Are you tricking me? I don't know you well enough to know if you're tricking me or not. All right, I believe you. A tiny nation. Now, Rome is a giant nation. Rome is like China. Rome is everywhere. The Roman Empire is just like spreading and spreading and spreading, and they have a strong military, and they have a strong system of organization, and they're taking over nation after nation after nation, Israel being one of them. So to humble themselves as Roman citizens and receive this tiny nation Messiah is a big deal. So right away, the message of Jesus is that he he's the, he's the lord of all every nation he's the lord of all people he's the messiah for everyone for the romans as well as those from andorra or panama i was thinking panama you know, because i've heard of it <laughs> so so the message of jesus is that it's not just for a specific person or for a specific nation it's for all that's essential for us to understand if we're going to be witnesses and God asks you to speak to someone and you just think like, why would I I talk to them? They're not going to listen to me. Jesus wants them too. Jesus loves them too. Oh, they're so different from me. I mean, can you imagine how different a good Jewish believer was from a Roman citizen in the military? Got to be different different cultures, different understanding of the world, different power bases. I mean, different, right? And yet God brought them together in that divine appointment to share his power through Jesus Christ. Verse 43, you know, Peter kind of starts with, he's Lord of all, Jesus is Lord of all, and he ends in in verse 43. So everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins because of his name or, or through his name. So Jesus came through the tiny nation of Israel, but is reaching the whole world. We have to believe that in order to be effective witnesses in the world today. If you don't think He's still reaching out to the whole world, then you're not on the plan of God. You're not, you're not following after His plan. If you think some people are going to be overlooked by God, He's not going to do that. He loves everyone who He has created in His image. Jesus died for each one of them, no matter what their sins are, no matter what their lifestyle, no matter where they are. He loves them, and he wants the message of his love to come. So that message acts as a call, a call for anyone who is listening. Some people will mock Jesus. They do today. But others will find themselves gripped by the message. Because it's the right timing. God has set up a divine appointment. It's the perfect moment for the Spirit to bring them to life. And we just have to be witnesses to Jesus. The other thing that, that, that we need to remember is that the message is not about us. I talked about that earlier, but Peter doesn't change this message here. It's only 10, it's only 10 verses long. He doesn't change it to be about him. The only thing he talks about in relation to himself is being the witness, being called to be a witness. Let me read you his message. So we'll start in verse 36. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Oh, I can't help myself. Okay, let will stop for a minute, and then I'll read again. Keep me to my word, all right? The message is a message of peace. Hopefully, you have received that message of peace. The message is not a message of condemnation. The message is not a message of all the things you're doing wrong. The message is not a... You, know, you hear what I'm saying? Some people, when they try to share the gospel, it, it's like they're, they're brutal. I... I that doesn't feel like peace. Now, I know that peace is a big issue, right? You know, we could be talking about peace between us and God or peace between us and ourselves or peace. But, but the message of the gospel is a message of peace, that Jesus has come and brought peace on earth. If you think about that for a minute, when Jesus was born in Luke 10, it says that the angels erupted in heaven and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. To men on whom God's favor rests. It's a beautiful message to receive. Especially if your life is a life of turmoil, anxiety, problems. You hear peace, your, your ears perk up, right? So it's a message of peace. Get back to work. Okay. The message of peace. You know... What has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. God was with him. He anointed him. Is God with us? Is God with you? Do you think you could go around doing good? Do you think you could go around preaching and, and healing and telling people about Jesus? Do you think you could free people from the power of the devil? Oh, we're, we're getting on that tin ice stuff, right? You can, if this is God's plan for you, in that encounter, wherever that is, you have the same spirit that came on Jesus at his baptism. You didn't get, like, the baby spirit, the little one. You got the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God. Jesus said in this book, the beginning of this book of Acts, you will receive, say it, power power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, power for what? Power, you know, to put your lazy boy back and use your remote? channel surfing power for what the same thing that jesus has the power for this is what the book of acts will teach us now right now we got to stick with this because i'll never finish but jesus was anointed with the holy spirit and with power the church is anointed with the holy spirit and with power just believe me okay we are, verse 39, we are witnesses of everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen who, who, by us, witnesses by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the apostles testify about him. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then Peter didn't give an altar call. He didn't say, every eye closed, every head bowed. Peter's still speaking, verse 44. I hope you're following in your Bible because you need to go back and go back and go back and go back until you really get it. Peter's still talking. He's still testifying of Jesus. He's still telling them about the forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. God wasn't going to wait one minute longer to bring those people into his fold. God is so eager to save. We have to have that same eagerness, that desire to not, not, not just sort of sit back in our lazy boy, take a nap, channel surf some more, but have a desire that the lost would be found. The heart of God is that the lost would be found and brought home to be with him as children of God. Now what happens in verse 45 The circumcised, in other words, the Jewish believers who had come along with Peter on this trip were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. That's how you need to read that. I mean, come on. Those people? Yeah. The Spirit of God was poured out on them because they put their faith in Christ. That's all it takes to put your faith in Christ. And the Spirit of God is the free gift that you receive by putting your faith in Christ. And so all these divisions that we have in our minds, all these classes, all these types of people that we kind of separate out, God does not care about that. What he cares about is that they hear about his son and that they become new creatures in Christ by simply putting their faith in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the gospel we should bathe in and bathe in and bathe in until we reek of it. You know what I'm referring to? The aroma of Christ just goes wherever we go that good aroma of christ so that people who we are talking to and caring for and working with and going to classes with just sense it there's a peace from jesus with you there's a joy with you there's a there's a love in you something that's not like anybody else this is who the people of god are to be this is what the church is for. We've got to sing. When you, when you hear the gospel, you've got to sing. You've got you to rejoice. Because you and me, most of us, could have never been part of that club if it weren't for this, right? We, we, we got invited in, and we didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. We never kept the law. We never could. And yet we were still invited in. And God wants us to take this message, to testify of his goodness and his son, who is is the, the climax of all that goodness is in Christ, and bring that to the world. Amen? Amen.